Welcome to the Week in Review on the Sourced Podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher. Jordan McDonald, welcome. Hello, Michael. Week in Review number 87 and yes. there's been lots going on. Yeah, always lots going on. Because it's a short week, isn't it? Yeah, it's a short week because the yeah. ECA um, holiday midweek through. I forget now that I live Logan Way that it's a Monday. Yeah. So I went to go grocery shopping Monday, got into the car park, said, beauty, prime spot right at the top here, a bit quiet. I said, just jagged a good day. Everything's closed. It was closed. Yeah. No, I've never lived Logan Way, so I've just not experienced a Monday public holiday in the Ecker. See, this is what I don't understand. Okay, so there's like a Logan show, isn't there? And like this is the Brisbane show. And yeah. the Brisbane people get the Wednesday holiday, which is the midweek holiday. It's annoying. Yeah. And then the people in the surrounding councils get the long weekend. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it either. It's my first time experiencing it and I got um, yeah, I got done. Yeah. Well, this podcast is about audience engagement. Yeah. And I do think that audiences in the Brisbane region get ripped off with the Wednesday holiday. You reckon? I do, I do. This wasn't even on our list to talk about. No, it wasn't, but maybe it should be. It's a really good point you make because I did talk to some people last Sunday night, friends of ours who were having a really big night because they had the public holiday the next day. Ah. They had an ex- they've got an extra long weekend. Oh, really? What can you do on a Tuesday night with Wednesday then you're back to work on Thursday? Anyway. Yeah, fair enough. That's not what we're here to talk about because on Wednesday night there was a big event, a massive event, and it was the Women's World Cup soccer semi-final, Australia versus England. The Matildas lost to the Lionesses, but there were massive TV ratings, Jordan. Yeah, huge TV ratings at – the, the match has become the most watched program since 2001 where the ratings started. Um, so we had – it reached 11 million people, just over 11 million people, but it maintained an average audience of just over 7 million. Um, so it surpassed some of the iconic benchmarks in the past, which is the 2003 Rugby World Cup. Yes, remember that one? Yeah, and Kathy Freeman's 2000 Olympic yes. gold win. Uh, the numbers were also pretty strong on streaming. They had uh, 957,000 people watched via 7 Plus. I was and one of those. S- yeah, or were you? Watching via streaming, yes. Okay. Um, seven claims, of course, that that was a brand new record for, right. for streaming. Optus Sport, um, they didn't provide numbers quite the same for, for the broadcast, but they did say it was the fourth highest rating program on their platform ever. Okay. Only uh, behind the Matildas quarterfinal match, which oh, was right. against France there. They did share some really interesting takeaways, and there's four that really stood out, uh, that over 75% of the Optus Sport World Cup consumption was on a large screen connected TV. Yes. 72% of the Optus Sport World Cup audience is under 45. And... There's been 1,900 original World Cup editorial articles generated and they've generated uh, 1.9 million page views so far. Okay. And last one, the Australian social video views are now just over 25 million, which has been clipped from over 300 hours of uh, World Cup video content. So pretty good numbers wherever Mm. you are. It's just been massive, hasn't it's it? It's huge. It's been really big. Um, and I think it it has to bring the question of what it all means for us as a nation. Like, is 
the number one sport in Australia now, women's soccer. Is it that? Or do we just get such a great feeling of national pride out mm. of what the Matildas have done? That's a question we raised on the podcast last week off the back of a column by Waleed Ali in the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, is this just a way to bring a nation together in fragmented audience times? So that, and is that what it is? Now, as I said, this podcast is about audience behaviour. So when you get such a big audience here on a, one like this, it's really worth having a, a look at. Um, and we have one of the biggest Australian audiences of all time watching it. I don't believe we would have had the most concentrated audience of all time in Australia no. percentage-wise because you go back to, you know, times when TV, you know, uh, I guess was, you know, dominant when there were so few different options to watch. Yeah. You had to watch TV at night. I'm sure mm-hmm. we got higher <coughs> concentrations. Um, I'm inclined to think this was a, a great example of national pride. I watched this game the quarterfinal last Saturday night and I was at North Devils Rugby League Club after a home game of ours. We had a massive crowd in at the club to watch and that crowd went crazy. Yeah. I mean, to me, they went... It was more than a state of origin decider in their reaction to that penalty shootout. This was a really engaged crowd. And from that, you could just see the way that this had gripped people as in this point of national pride. So, now, I I guess the question for me is, um, you know, will this be like the America's Cup win in 1982? Now, you don't remember that, but I do. No. I I was in grade three at school, but I just remember that feeling at the time of it was a big thing in the country. And then... A few years later, you know, Australia won the America's Cup, this sort of obscure yachting event, which is what it was. Mm. We won it. Um, I remember we won it in the morning Australian time um, and we then defended it three or four years later in, in Perth. We lost that. Didn't right. we? But I still remember that had a bit of a profile, but now we didn't even go in the, into the uh, America's Cup now anyway. But it was a great feeling of national pride. I'm sure it's not going to be like that for the Matildas. We're always going to really um, support the Matildas. But will it maintain the level it has? I guess that's what we'll find out in time to come. But it's just been such an astonishing level of... Oh, it's been incredible. ...viewer engagement, which... Now, that also brings me to something I want to get off my chest. Is it a, a rant? A segue. It is a rant. So it's a rant. Strap yourself in. Okay. This is a bit of a segue. Can our politicians just take a while to shut up and leave us alone? Now, I say this because I visited Threads last night purely for research for this podcast because I haven't been to Threads for some time, but I went Mm. to Threads. So Threads throws up for me, and this is no joke. I reckon the first six posts I saw on Mm. Threads last night, a Thursday night, were politicians commenting on the Matildas. Okay. What are they saying? Oh, you know, makes us proud. It's fantastic. Well yeah, and that's great. I get all that. Yep. I get all that. But um, I've said before in this podcast, I follow very few politicians on social media. Yeah. Very few. I prefer it to be a politician-free zone. Now, why Threads think I care about politicians and their comment on uh, events like that is beyond me, but that's Threads for you. It's, it's, it's got worse. I didn't stay much longer after that for Threads. I left. Anyway, um, it also makes me think about the volume that we get from our politicians these days. They just seem to be everywhere at the moment. Now, I'm not focusing on one party here. I believe all parties are guilty of this, no matter which 
political party politicians come from. I'm not sure now if Anthony Albanese is a Prime Minister of Australia or a professional commentator because he just seems to be on radio and TV so often. I'm sure he's finding time in between his interviews to run the country, I'm sure, because the country's running, although I wouldn't want to put my life on that. He was on the ABC again last night, and I know this because as I drove in my car this morning, that interview from the ABC was polluting my media intake this morning, getting (laughs) clips off that. Now, we're going to hear from Shane Rogers soon on our podcast. He's a special guest today. Um, One of the many things Shane has done uh, was be a very good journalist in the press gallery in Canberra. Um, He recalled one time how the press gallery initiated discussions to try to get Bob Hawke as Prime Minister to have at least one press conference a week. Saying, you know, Bob, can you just do one press conference a week for us? You are the Prime Minister. We, we yeah. want to hear more often from mm-hmm. you. Now, I reckon we should go back to that. One a week? Maybe one a week. Once a week for all senior politicians. Tops, that will be fine from me. We just hear so much from them now. They're in non-stop election cycle. It's too much from my viewpoint. Like The Prime Minister should have some bit of, I guess, status about him in what he does uh, at the moment, it just seems like he's just he's just dial a quote. He's everywhere. Now, media will never complain about this because media want politicians to do interviews all the time. The media don't want. They always want politicians to do interviews. It doesn't make it right, though. I interviewed John Collins recently from Powderfinger, JC, yep. um, known for many years. JC um, and I did a conversation in the city um, and he made a really good point. I said to JC, how would Powderfinger go in this era now of social media being everywhere? What would the band be like? And he said, I don't reckon we'd be very good right now because he said one thing we always tried to do as a band was have a bit of mystery. Right. So we gave some of ourselves, we never gave it all. And JC said, with social media these days, it just seems that artists give everything of themselves. There is no mystery. And he said, every good rock band needed a bit of mystery. And that's a really good observation. I think that every good politician needs a bit of mystery. (laughs) And the Matildas win has been too much for too many politicians. We've seen some ridiculous videos. We've seen some general goodwill. That's great. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, end of my rant there. Very good. Very good. Solid rant. Yeah, sorry, I'll get that off my chest That's now. okay. Now, we've got a bit more politician stuff there because we're looking at The Voice now. We haven't really discussed The Voice so far. No, not a whole lot. But there was an article this week which was in the Sydney Morning Herald's yep. business pages and you wanted to have a bit of a look at that and it's worth having a look at. So what was it about The Voice that caught your attention? Yeah, so this article focuses on Qantas' support for the Yes campaign on The Voice to Parliament and the broader question of whether businesses should engage in social issues beyond just their normal day-to-day business, yep. profit-making. Yep. Um, and it mentions this ranking system that companies are held to, and it's called the ESG. And it stands for Environmental, Social and Governments. Yeah, it's Governance, a, I should say. It's a... It's a buzz term. Yeah, yeah, it's days. not a real... Yeah. It's a buzz term in corporate speak. Very much now ESG and where, where is your company on ESG? Correct. And so, yeah, it just evaluates companies based on their wider impact. Um, now, our society increasingly expects these companies to consider important issues like the environment and equality and, and then take a stand. And Qantas has taken a stand alongside the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, and retired AFL player Adam Goods. Yeah, it's at a press conference this week. Yep. And they 
put some uh, livery on their planes mm-hmm. to uh, back the Yes campaign. Yep. yep. And uh, Telstra is another company um, which has openly supported the Yes campaign. Um, but the voice has become so heavily political and some companies are preferring to avoid publicly taking any stance mm. at all. Mm. Um, Macquarie Bank's one that was mentioned in this article, they've decided to stay quiet on making any public yes or no support yep. and instead they're just supplying their staff with legal and Indigenous experts so they can make their own educated choices. Um, look, it's, an, it's interesting. It used to be enough where businesses could uh, just provide the good or service mm. and that's all. Mm. Um now they have to sort of align with certain values of its target audiences or they'll cancel you, essentially. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why ESG has been such a prominent discussion point for uh, businesses recently because there are an increasing number of people wanting to know where they stand on certain issues and how they go about their business, basically. So it's a really interesting topic when it comes to the voice in particular because... I think it's becoming very interesting for companies who backed the voice proposal really strongly when the poll showed it was quite popular. Yeah. Um, and those polls have shifted and quite significantly in some ways. And it's now interesting to know what those companies that were quite vocal about the voice think about that now. Um, maybe they wouldn't change some of them. Maybe some of them would. Um, and we talk about, you know, looking at the, the polling figures and it seems on some of those figures that there are more people in some states which there are purporting to vote no than yes. So, you know, companies are always interested in that type of thing. I spoke to one person this week whose company has made a slight shift in their language. They have gone from publicly supporting the voice proposal to now saying that they won't tell people how to vote, which is really interesting. But the thing they will advocate for is a major change in how Australia tackles Indigenous issues. Okay. So they're advocating for change and say that they are 100% behind that, but it's in a bit of a different way now to what they had done publicly. Mm. And the reason that they say they've done this is that they believe the context of this debate has changed from a national viewpoint. So they say the context has changed. So they're now trying to say, well, where do we place ourselves? So that's really interesting, and I expect that media are paying close attention to some of these different stances because it's only going to get more publicity between now and whenever the date is that we vote because that hasn't been announced yet. The thing I found interesting this week was that the Prime Minister turned up at that Qantas event, as you mentioned. Now, we know from stories about Qantas's brand ranking that it hasn't been as high as it's been previ- previously. That's, yeah, that's correct. There's been complaints of expensive flights and they are expensive. They are very dear. Yep, they're baggage handling disasters for a while there, sacked workers and this growing criticism about the federal government's decision to block Qatar Airways. Yes. Yep. Is push for more flights. So yep. the, the Qantas has been there in the news a bit. The Prime Minister went there this week, which was interesting. The rear window column in the financial review, which we've mentioned before in the podcast, continues to be absolutely scathing of the Prime Minister and Qantas for many reasons, <laughs> including a story that we said previously, um, the Prime Minister's son was gifted a pass to the exclusive Qantas Chairman's Lounge. So we yes. mentioned that one. And so Rear Window this week said when it came to the slogan, yes, 23 on the side of the Qantas planes, 
They noted that was a combination of the PM's response to the freebie for his son and his son's age. <laughs> so there's another door open for criticism. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about this in the weeks to come, but it's just a really interesting topic where some of these companies are positioning themselves on that whole voice to parliament proposal. Jordan, we have a special guest on today's Week in Review. Always like special guests. We've had a good group of them in recent weeks. Yes. Today, we welcome to the Week in Review Shane Rogers, who is so many things. Shane, a well-known business executive, former journalist who we work with. He's done some great work at 55 Comms over the years as well. And he's now, again, an author, another book out called Worknado, Reimagining the Way You Work to Live. Welcome, Shane. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Thank you, Jordan. And we've got one we wanted to bring you in on today, which was a story that's come out this week. It's from a LinkedIn survey that uh, looks at the survey... Uh, of sort of AI skills, I guess, so artificial intelligence skills versus soft skills, if you like. And the story that ran in this week's Australian, also running on some other uh, news sites, uh, that a large percentage of business leaders that were surveyed on this LinkedIn feedback uh, said that uh, soft skills, which they say communication, interpersonal skills, problem solving, work ethic and time management have never been more important despite the growing presence of AI in workplaces. Is, is that, I guess, appraisal of where soft skills, if you like, are in the workplace today? D- does that surprise you, Shane? No, in fact, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think at any point in history, soft skills have been really important in workplaces. I think the idea that technology, whether it's AI or digital, somehow is a replacement for humans or a substitute for human skills is, is always been a fallacy. AI is already happening in the workplace. It's been happening for a very long time. It's happening in the background and people don't even realise it. It's another form of technology that's allowing certain things that humans used to do to be done more efficiently by technology. And in, in a sense, it's pushing humans to a more creative space and we're noticing the soft skills more. But, you know, let's face it, in the, in the communication area um, where, you know, we've spent a lot of our time, AI can replicate, but, you know, like we've spent a lot of our time looking at writing styles and things like that. You don't have to look at AI-generated material for too much to realise it doesn't have the soul, it doesn't have the style, it doesn't have the individuality. Humans will always gravitate towards human traits and human attributes that allow us to interact as humans and deal with us as people. AI is never going to replace that. It'll replace some things, but certainly not that core element. Now, the article mentions that Gen Z is more welcoming of AI skills and its potential for career opportunities. How can organisations leverage this enthusiasm to create a workforce that effectively blends AI skills with the essential soft skills? So I think, Jordan, when you're looking at generational differences in the workplace, the really great companies leverage that. So I think we're seeing younger generations have had a very, very different upbringing in the context of technology. You know, they're digital natives, but they're also AI natives effectively now. They'll think very differently about how to use the technology. So I think for organisations, that's a, a big opportunity to think about how do we adopt this technology. But there is a danger in talking about AI skills. What do we mean by that? It's like saying digital skills, we, you know, we, we, we thought for a long time digital skills were the ability to code. Um, the real digital skills is the ability to understand how you use digital technology 
to make your business more efficient or to create more profitability. And yeah, there are coding skills, et cetera, but that's only a small part of it. AI is the same. An AI skill is not necessarily a technical skill. It can be the skill of understanding how to use AI to make your business more successful. Yeah. Shane, always great to talk to you. And Shane Jordan is going to be a guest on a long-form sourced podcast uh, probably next week. He is indeed. So yeah, we'll put next that week, out. I reckon. Looking forward to that as we get towards uh, episode 100. And Work NATO is Shane's new book. Work NATO, W O R K N A D O. It's a great read, and we look forward to talking to Shane further about that. Shane, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Great pleasure to be here. Jordan, we've discussed this topic before. Now, does the saturation of quick blast social media consumption impact on our concentration levels? Okay. So, all these short videos that we get, TikTok, is that making us have shorter concentration spans? Now, this week the Australian newspaper had a really interesting story on the rapid nature of TikTok videos and other things too. Uh, YouTube Shorts was created two years ago. The maximum length of videos for YouTube Shorts is 60 seconds. So, it's leading to what this article in the Australian (laughs) described as TikTok brain. Okay. TikTok brain. TikTok brain. Sounds quite awful. (laughs) So, now the article quotes two lots of university research Mm. looking into the addictive nature of these short videos. And the research is still in the early phases, so there's no concrete findings there. I reckon this is a really interesting area to watch for younger people. Now, not so much for older people. Now, we've discussed this before because this is not the first time this has come up about concentration levels. I'm still not convinced that we have a concentration problem when people can sit down and binge TV series for, for hours on end. Like they can do that. So Is that young people or old people? Older people. Okay. Older people. And that's, that's a good point because this may be different from younger people who haven't learnt those skills yet that you know, older mm. people have. And I guess that's what the research will find out. Are younger people maybe getting that TikTok <clears throat> brain and are older people getting more likely to really, I guess – get those rises out of the short videos. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'll be interested to see what this research reveals. I agree that these videos are designed to deliver those short bursts of excitement for younger users, but I don't think it's limiting their ability to concentrate on tasks or content that require a bit more patience. Yep. Especially longer video form. Um, I think of Squid Games and Stranger Things, for example. Yeah. 1.7 and 1.4 billion hours Mm. watched respectively Mm. and that's predominantly people under the age of 35. Um, True. And if anything, younger generations are more likely to binge, at least that's how I see it. Where these short videos could be causing issues is that younger people aren't as patient with trying something new. So they're more Mm. likely to binge watch a show once they've had it recommended Mm, by someone on mm. a short form video like TikTok. But if they were to scroll through Netflix and go, oh, yeah, maybe that one, and they might get bored in five minutes rather than give it the time it needs to get through a whole episode. that's a good point. That's what I think. Yeah, it's true. I think um, our two youngest boys do have the show. They do like watching shows, um, you know, in a, in a binge way. So they yeah, don't, yeah. they can certainly do that. They also like watching the short videos as well. But you're right, maybe it's less tolerance in wanting to see if a show is good for them or not. I know, that's a really good point. Now, we want to talk about 
Twitter or X. Do you know my iPad has still got the Twitter icon? Does it really? Yeah. Must be one of the very few left in the world. Yeah, so it's still there. And like I didn't update the iOS on my phone and it changed to X, but my iPad has still got the blue bird, the blue, blue the white bird on the blue background. Mm. Anyway, I've been meaning to say it's that. It's an endangered weeks. species, that now. It is looked at it last night. That was the case on the iPad. Now, what is happening in the world of Twitter slash X this week? Um, look, Twitter. Uh, Elon's put uh, Tweed Deck behind a paywall and annoyed everyone once again. So Tweed Deck, if you're not familiar with it, it's a dashboard that lets you keep track of multiple news feeds and it's particularly useful if you work in social media or digital media and work for a company that has multiple handles. Yeah. It's particularly handy there. Very and handy in newsrooms yes. as well. Yeah, you would have had that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Tweed Deck was a fixture already years ago. Yeah, so it used to be free and a separate app, but Musk has renamed it as X Pro and Twitter, sorry, after Twitter became X last month because uh, Twitter purchased TweetDeck in 2011, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I reckon you're right. And so, yeah, he's now put it behind uh, the paywall. So when you go to TweetDeck now, you're going to be asked to sign up for X Premium Blue which here costs $13 per month. Yes. Yep. yep. And uh, look, it's just another great decision from the same bloke who's uh, made users pay for Twitter accounts and fired thousands of his staff. Well, I know Alan Roebuck from the Ipswich Today podcast who uh, runs a very good podcast. He put up a poll on Twitter to ask whether people – who have TweetDeck will pay for it, uh, the majority is no, I won't pay for it. Right. So that's the majority. Um, Not really many people going to pay for it. No, not at all. There's also another issue at X this week where um, Elon's been accused of throttling traffic. Yeah, this is really interesting. Yeah, to websites that he doesn't like. Um, I can't remember who reported on it, but users have reported that when they've clicked links to Facebook, Instagram, the New York Times, Blue Sky, Substack and Mastodon, among others, they're made to wait five seconds or they're delayed five seconds before they see the page. I definitely had that this week. I definitely had it. Interesting. Because at one stage I I refreshed a couple of times. Very interesting. Um. It could have just been a Twitter glitch, but it was very unusual. A Twitter glitch, maybe. Um, so this was reported. Oh, there I wrote it in. How good are my notes? They uh, reported in the Washington Washington Post, and they said that shortly after that, though the uh, delay magically disappeared. Mm. Um, but the suspicious behaviour has sparked some debate online about whether Musk can legally slow down traffic to rival company links posted on the platform. And I don't think he really cares what those people think. I reckon you're right. Um, it does seem incredibly childish, but he is just one big baby, isn't he? Well, he's shown that he'll do what he thinks He'll just there. do whatever he wants. But can I say that's just a line with a lot of the big media publishers over many generations. Mm. They do like as they feel. And True. Look, is it happening? Who knows? But is it believable? Yeah, it is. And it it's is. believable. And I don't even say that in a critical way because I think – Traditional media, big media have been doing these things for a long time. Um, you know, limiting 
Oh, ask any newspaper that's deliberately not covered something over the years. Yeah. You know, because they didn't when I, you know, and once different media companies get the rights to certain sports, mm. I have no doubt that the coverage of those sports in the rival companies falls down. True. Because they don't want to be seen as directing traffic back towards the other place. So maybe just another version of that. Um, weekend coming up, what's happening? Uh, no work tonight, but tomorrow's the uh, the Mecca or the Echo races. Oh yes, out at Doombin. So I'll be out there working full day, and then that'll be a big race day nice, too. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a long day. It always is every year. I'm just glad it's on a weekend for a change, not the Wednesday. Yeah, it used to be the Wednesday. Yeah, it used to make Thursday just difficult to get in here. Well, I'll send you through some tips tomorrow, and you can have a few bets. Uh, oh, you might. Yeah, that'll be my first bet. Really? Out of the uh, track, I've never bitten a horse in my life. You haven't? No. Nah, have you worked I here for so long and not... I don't gamble or bet at all. Never known this about it's you. It's a revelation on the podcast. I don't either, actually. Obviously, uh, you never hear, a, never hear a race in this office Mm-mm. anytime. No. No, it's uh, only on days ending in Y, really. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, enjoy that tomorrow and you won't see me there because it's the last game for the Devils this season, actually. Yes. Yes, final game. It's the last. PNG Hunters, isn't it? PNG Hunters. And we so. wish uh, the great Jack Ahern a very good retirement because his last game tomorrow. Is it really? We'll miss him greatly. But he's going to be a firefighter and uh, that requires the time that semi-professional athletes don't have to give to uh, sport as much as well. So I he goes see. out. Well, best of luck to him. A wonderful career and... Enjoy the weekend. You too.